Certainly grateful that the Lord gave himself, and that that's good. We certainly didn't deserve it, but he did, and we're so thankful for that. Luke chapter 23 tonight. Again, we've got um, a reception here shortly, so we're going to move quickly tonight, Lord willing. <clears throat> so that means if he's not willing, then we won't, right? Amen. <laughs> Some of you are going, he's willing, he's willing. <laughs> All right. Luke chapter 23 tonight. Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 33. I think it'll be a familiar passage. <clears throat> and when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. The malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
And they parted his raiment and cast lots. The people stood beholding. The rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, Thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. One of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. It was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. The sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Of course, we're reading about the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We know how they led him to Golgotha. We understand the nails in his hands and feet. We are very aware of the fact that he was beaten or whipped with a cat of nine tails. We know that they'd had his beard and had plucked it out. And they had just mocked and made fun of him. They'd spit upon him. They'd beaten him till he was unrecognizable. And yet he made his way up Calvary to ultimately allow himself to be hung on a cross that he created. (coughs) To die suffering on our behalf. Jesus Christ was dedicated to you and I to the very end. He was dedicated to his cause, to his creation, to his children, who would ultimately be us. No cost was too great to ensure that he would fulfill his purpose and plan for being there. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, Again, he forged ahead with great determination because he could look beyond the suffering and sacrifice and see the joy ahead. His hope of a brighter tomorrow kept him dedicated to the cause today, so to speak. In his book, One Crowded Hour, Tim Bowden describes an incident in uh, Borneo in 1964. I've used this before and I like it so much I thought I'd try it again. Nepalese fighters, known as Gurkhas, were asked if they would be willing to jump from airplanes into combat against the Indonesians. The Gurkhas didn't clearly understand what was involved, but they bravely said that they would do it. Asking only that the plane fly slowly over a swampy area and no higher than 100 feet. 
When they were told that the parachutes wouldn't have time to open at that height, the Gurkha said, oh, you didn't mention parachutes before. (laughs) Think about that for a minute. The only thing we ask is that you fly low at no higher than 100 feet and in the murky waters or uh, swampy waters. I mean, these guys, these guys, all they could think about, all they cared about was the victory. All they cared about was the battle. Willing to give their lives, dedicated to the cause, dedicated to the fight. They were blinded by the dangers or to the dangers by hope of victory in the end. And so it was with our Lord. And so it will be with all of us that will truly dedicate ourselves to the cause of Christ. Amen. When I played a sport in high school, the coaches always demanded dedication. They demanded it. They expected us to eat and sleep that particular sport while we were involved in it. I mean, they, they, they required that we dedicate ourselves to practice and to the workouts and to the preparation. You know, we even had to keep our grades up. They said that we weren't permitted to drink or smoke during the season. They said all these rules. And they said, if you're going to be dedicated, then you've got to work hard. You're going to have to do this and do this and do this. We expect dedicated young men. We will not accept anything less than a fully dedicated young man. When I entered the army, it was interesting, but they kind of expected the same thing. You're now in the military and before you, you know, we graduated. We really weren't viewed as a whole lot, but they gave us these smart books and they gave us the clothing and we had to dress a certain way and we were required to act a certain way and perform certain duties a certain way. And they said, these, this book right here is your little, your little Bible for the military. Everywhere you go, you'll keep it on you. You're going to learn it and memorize it and ultimately practice it. We expect you to be dedicated to this cause. You're a United States uh, 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 soldier and you're going to be dedicated to that cause. We'll accept nothing less than that. Dedication. The world demands dedication. Your job demands dedication in many cases. It's funny, isn't it, how a job that will pay you minimum wage or a little bit over will require you to give up your time, your days, and put you in awkward positions with your family and others, and yet you'll go ahead and do it because you want to make that little minimum wage, as Brother Ankrum would say. Isn't that interesting? You know that God demands dedication? Sadly enough, it seems sometimes that when God demands dedication, that we somehow don't understand why He would expect that. But the world expects it. The army expected it. A high school wrestling coach expected it. High school football coach expected it. Sadly enough, a traveling team coach for little 12-year-olds expects it. It's unfortunate today that even some of our little children that are 6 and 7 and 8 years old that are just wrestling for the first time in their life are expected to be dedicated to it, missing church and everything else that goes with it. But then all of a sudden, God comes along and says, I want you to be dedicated to the real cause, an eternal cause, not just a temporal cause. And if we're not careful, we almost buck God and we say, but wait a second, I've got other responsibilities and I've, I've got things to take care of and I've got, I've got other, other important de- things to deal with. 
We need some soldiers in the army of the Lord like those gherkin soldiers. Those that will say, I don't care what the cost is. All I can see is the victory in the end. All I can see is the joy that's still before me. I'm not worried about the sacrifice. I'm not worried about what the cost will be. It's all right. It's worth it all in the end. Just like the song says, it will be worth it all. When we see Jesus, life's trials will seem so small. When we see Christ. And that's exactly how Jesus was able to go to a cross and suffer and bleed and die on our behalf. Because he could see it'd be worth it all. That's how those Gurkhas could go and say, just fly no higher than 100 feet and make sure there's some swampy water below. We're fine. Because they could see something ahead. And that's usually why everyone involved in sports will give their time, their effort, and be totally and completely dedicated because there's a part of them that just wants to win and says if we work hard enough, we too can get a victory. You know what? That's what God's asking us tonight to be dedicated. Dedication. I want to consider that word and I want to consider that theme tonight for just a few minutes. Dedication. And I want to consider it from three aspects. I want to consider the examples, just a couple of examples of dedication. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. It's amazing to me how Peter's focus and future immediately changed the very moment he met the master. After being approached by Jesus Christ, Peter ends up leaving his occupation and his livelihood to follow him. You say, well, he probably wasn't married and... That made it easy for him. He could make those decisions. He didn't have the responsibilities I have. He could be dedicated to the cause of Christ. Well, let's consider Matthew chapter 8 then. A few chapters over. Verse 14. The Bible tells us there in chapter 8 verse 14. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house... He saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and ministered unto them. So what we learned then is Peter was married. He had a family. He was responsible, however, not only for a wife, but it appears, it appears to me, that he might have also been responsible for his wife's mother. He said, it appears that way to me. I mean, why would she be in their house? Well, she was so sick she had to stay with them. I don't think so. I I get the impression that she was living with him. He was caring for her. He was providing for her. Despite his obligation to the family, however, he was also dedicated to the cause of Christ. Oh yeah, I understand that ultimately he would deny the Lord at his trial. It's the Lord's trial. But let's face it, he would stand after the resurrection for the Lord too. In Acts chapter 4, verse 3, following, excuse me, following the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us in Acts 4, 3, and they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, talking about Peter and John, for it was now eventide. 
Who laid hands on them? The people laid hands on them, throwing them into prison for preaching the name of Christ, the resurrection of the Lord. They preached the resurrection. And as a result, they were cast into prison. They were put in hold. Here's this family man. Here's this man with a wife, this man with a mother-in-law, this man with a family. Who knows how many children he had, if he had any at all. But what we do know is that he had a home to care for. He had a wife to care for. He had a mother-in-law to take care of. That's bad enough. (laughs) If you have a bad mother-in-law. Unfortunately, I don't. See, I saved myself there. (laughs) Good save is right. Peter would become very familiar with the prison system in Jerusalem. He spent a lot of time there. He could have easily talked himself out of it too. I'm sure he could have said, you know what, I've got a number of responsibilities. You know, I'm dedicated to my wife. I'm dedicated to my family. I'm dedicated to my job. I'm dedicated to my future. I've got a 401k because one day I have to retire. And I've got to take care of all this business. My wife deserves the latest chariot. My wife should have the finest dresses. My family should enjoy the nicest home. But instead he went from prison to prison. For the cause of Christ. It sounds to me that he was truly dedicated to the Lord first. First. Someone says, oh, you're you're saying to dismiss your family. You're saying to forget about your home. You're saying to just serve the Lord. Well, you said it, I didn't. But let me tell you something. If you'll put Christ first, the rest of it will fall into place. You know what the problem is with us? We don't see the joy ahead. All we see is the now, today. And therefore, we live for now. And not for tomorrow. And as a result of that, it's very difficult to be dedicated to a cause whose real benefit isn't seen now, but seen tomorrow, in the future. That's hard. That takes what's called faith. Despite the continual threats, the barbaric beatings, and ultimately the martyrdom, Peter remained steadfast and unmovable. I mean, what would we do as men? especially with young children in the home, if given options and told that, listen, you remain dedicated to the cause of Christ, we're going to take your life and leave your wife husbandless and your children fatherless. We know the decisions that some of these men made. We know the decision that some of them made in Fox's Book of Martyrs. We know the decision that was made throughout history many times. But listen, that's, it's easy to talk about how we would make that same decision. But would we really? We won't make those kind of decisions in the heat of the moment if we're not living dedicated, consecrated, separated lives unto Jesus Christ now. Peter was a family man, but he was also a man of faith. And you know what? It's interesting to me. I get so sick and tired of having to defend God in this area. But God never asks us to choose between the two. He never asks us to choose between the family or faith, or the wife or work, or children or church. He doesn't ask us to make those decisions. But what I do know is, He asks us to choose you this day who you will serve. That's a choice He wants us to make, demands us to make. Because when it's all said and done, let's just be honest, let's just take it all out where the rubber meets the road. 
We're either going to serve our family or we're going to serve God first. We're going to serve our children first or we'll serve the Lord Jesus first. We're going to serve our wife or husband first or we're going to serve the Lord first. We're going to serve ourselves first or we're going to serve the Lord first. You have to make a decision in your Christian life who you're going to dedicate your life to. Is it going to be Christ or is it going to be something that won't be here forever? And by the way, you won't be holding hands in heaven, running around town. All the children, close your ears for a second. La, 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 la. It's not like it is down here. It's different. I can't wait to spend an eternity married to my wife in heaven. Think what you may. Let me tell you something. This life will be gone as we understand it. If you live for that, you'll be miserably dissatisfied and you'll be very upset with yourself if that's all you lived for. But there is one in heaven that you'll want to lean on his breast that'll be with you through eternity and that'll be the Lord Jesus Christ. We better make the right choices. God says, I want you to be dedicated. We have some examples of men that were dedicated in the Word of God. Oh yeah, we have a man that was single. We also have a man that was married. And God never says either one. He doesn't doesn't put down either one. He doesn't say what is right or wrong. The fact is, is that whatever God's called you to be, that's fine. You be what God's called you to be. But every one of us are to be dedicated to Him and His cause. In chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, turn there. Look at verse 36. We often speak of this chapter as the hall of faith. It chronicles some of the most famous of all the saints and their exhibition of faith and service. Let's face it, the dedication and devotion that they demonstrate is amazing. It is extremely inspiring to us. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 36, the Bible says, And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Why did they do that? Because they were dedicated to Christ. And people that hated Christ hated them. They became prey as a result of their dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not an easy road to travel. At times, we are very fortunate in America. We have freedoms and liberties that they didn't have. They have no clue of. And yet even then, sometimes we feel the sacrifice is all too great to truly live dedicated Separated lives unto Jesus Christ. So what's the expectation of dedication? Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. The expectation. We saw a couple of examples of it. We see it in action in their lives. What's it mean to be dedicated? And I don't know that we're going to have the time to really break it down, but... Is there too great a cost to be dedicated to the cause of Christ? When I was in the military, I had to be willing to give my life for that cause. That's what they demanded of me. Or should I say that's what you demanded of me when I was in the military? That I'd give my life to protect your freedom. Can you imagine if people in the military went around going, I don't care what they demand, I don't care what they want. I just want my paycheck. I'm not willing to give my life. I'm not willing to stand up between them and, uh, you know, uh, 
um, any kind of enemy. Forget that, man. I mean, I, I've got to worry about me. I've got to worry about my wife. I've got to worry about my family. I'm not going over there to Iraq, Iran. I'm not going to Afghanistan. I'm not going to do that. Well, what would you think about them as a soldier? You'd say, hey, if you're not willing to pay the price that's demanded of a soldier, then we don't, shouldn't pay you any money. We should discharge you right now and get your lazy, good-for-nothing carcass out of there. But when we equate that to the Christian life, you know where we're going. Expectation of dedication then. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Do you know that military, it's interesting, when I was down at the last conference I was at, preaching down there with Brother Davison, he asked me when I was on the platform, he said, Let me ask you. He said, were you in the military? And I said, yes, sir. He said, okay. And somebody looked at him on the platform a little funny, and he said, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's a good thing. You know why I said that? Because when you look at men of God who have been in the military, some of them are the best men of God we've ever had in the pulpits of America. You want to know why? They understand the price. They were willing to give a price before they ever got into that pulpit. Now they recognize it's an eternal value now. Someone says, well, I'm not saying that you have to be in the military to be a great preacher or to be a good servant of God. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that Brother Davison has traveled the country. He's talked to a number of pastors who were in the military. And boy, I'll tell you what, coming out of Vietnam and out of those different eras of times, World War II, uh, Korean War, and even the, the, the wars that we've had recently in Afghanistan and around the world and, and, and foreign countries lately, those men and women understand what it means to sacrifice and to give themselves. And when they give themselves to Christ... They give themselves in the same manner they gave themselves to their country. Notice it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice God's design. He says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. That's His design. God would have us present our bodies. Present our bodies. I, I envision a, 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 a gift. And I know this is kind of interesting, but you know, just say this is a bow on top, okay? <clears throat> I, I envision myself as this, this box or this gift. And, and when the Bible says over there, present your bodies a living sacrifice, I, get, I can see myself being presented to Christ as a gift. Put before him. Now, when you give someone a gift, who now owns it? They do. You don't. They do. They have every right to do with it as they please. You want to give somebody your car? I'd encourage you to do that before you just go selling it. Think about some of the young brothers and sisters in this church that might need a car from time to time. Before you go make a thousand or two thousand on it, why don't you just give it away? Be a good idea. He said, I'd be afraid. I'd be afraid it'd break down on it. So who cares? At least if they can tow it to a junkyard, they made 300 bucks. Someone says, you tell me we have to give our cars up now? I'm just saying, why don't you think about that? What's a couple grand anyway, really? Spend more than that on latte mochas through the year. 
some of these young men and young ladies would probably really benefit. Now, I'm talking about faithful ones. I'm not just talking about the ones fly by night, in and out. I'm talking about somebody that's faithful to God that will use it to go soul winning or bus visiting. That's the ones I'm talking about. We get so wrapped up in our money, we think that's all that matters in the world. <clears throat> think about how many bus kids could be saved by a young, young man just out of high school or something that needed a car that, to go soul winning or go out and bus visit. He could win hundreds of kids to Christ. You'd get benefit for some of that, some blessings out of it. <clears throat> at least that's how I think, at least. God's design. There it is. I just gave it to the Lord. That's me. Do you know what that means? I'm all his now. Not just the parts that I want to give him, but I presented myself. Therefore, it's all his. And that's what he's expecting. That's God's design. That's not optional in the Bible. That's the design. That's what he expects from all of us. Total, complete presentation. Someone says, well, call it surrender. You can call it whatever you want. But let me tell you something. We're giving ourselves to Christ completely. That's the design. Notice our duty. He says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's your duty. It is expected. It's reasonable. He's not asking anything that's out of the norm or, or over the top. He's just saying, it's your reasonable service. Notice our, de- our direction in the passage. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Our direction is no longer toward the world. Our direction is no longer in the world. It's all toward Christ. It's focused on Him. I've presented myself. There's the design. My duty is to remain faithful, committed, surrendered, so to speak. Now, I have a direction to travel. It is not the direction I was traveling. It is in the opposite direction. Then we see God's desire. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He wants every one of us to know what the perfect acceptable and goodwill of God is. He wants us to be able to embrace that, to be able to identify it, not only identify it, but be able to, to understand it and apply it in our life. Man, that's his desire for us. He doesn't want us to be guessing all the time what that is. He has a design, a duty, a direction, a desire. Those are the expectations of dedication. When you present yourself to the Lord, listen, it's on. And God expects that of us. And Sometimes we kind of get the idea that it's up to me whether I want to surrender or not, whether I want to come to an altar and give my life to Christ. But really, in reality, when you get to heaven one day, God's not going to go, well, some of you chose to really be dedicated and others chose not to. I mean, you're all my kids. It's fine. I don't care. You really think that's how it's going to be? That's not how it's going to be. When my dad and mom told me what was expected of me in the home, whether it was a chore or might have been a duty that they just gave me, it wasn't optional. <clears throat> that was just the way it was. If I didn't do it, they were not happy. And when it comes to God, it is our duty. It's His design that we present ourselves a living sacrifice. It's not optional. See, what Paul did... What Peter did, that was their reasonable service. That was their reasonable service. What's our reasonable service? Finally, the examination of dedication. 
Dedication demands a few things as we look at it, as we focus in on it. First of all, dedication demands surrender. And we noted the passage in Romans 12. We said that we could call it surrender if you like. That's fine. But we're to present ourselves. To surrender means to relinquish possession or control to another. To submit to the power, authority, and control of another. And again, the entire New Testament, as summarized in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 8, shows us that Christ himself was willing to surrender his own rights and prerogatives as the second person of the Trinity to the very will and purpose and plan of the Father. And that's something. We see surrender, but also sacrifice. Dedication demands sacrifice. In John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus being the ultimate example shows us this very clearly. And we're to follow what? In his steps. Anything less than a fully dedicated life to Jesus Christ is a life that is not measuring up to God's purpose for your life. Service is another demand. In Ephesians 2.10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Okay, we can have a debate all day long about what works are, what good works are. But we obviously know that if we're working for God, we're serving the Lord. Service is a requirement of dedication. It is, it is an element of dedication. person says, I am dedicated to the Lord, but they have no willingness to serve the Lord in any capacity. I'm concerned about that kind of dedication. Again, can you imagine if I'm in the military and my sergeant comes up and says, O'Donnell, attention! And I go, and he says, I want you to go to the mess hall and spend the next six hours on KP. Kitchen patrol? You want me to what? Wash dishes, Sarge? Get going, O'Donnell. I don't think so, Sarge. You might want to find someone else for the job, okay? How's that going to work? I, you know what? I joined the military, Sarge, but I really don't feel like working. Serving you? I don't think so. I mean, I got a much higher IQ than you got, Sarge. And I don't think you should be telling me what to do. That goes over real good, too. If we're not willing to serve, then we're probably not very dedicated. See, the soldier that's dedicated to his work or to the military and to the, the cause of the military, the freedom for the United States, he snaps to attention and when he's told what to do, he may not like it. He may find it very un, unsatisfying within himself, but he says, you know what? I'm here to serve. Whatever my sergeant says is what I'm going to do because that's my duty. Surrender, sacrifice, service. Suffering. Second Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Shall suffer, shall suffer persecution. Suffering is a part of dedication. 
Let's just go ahead and put it on a level we can understand. You get old enough, you're going to get sick. Let me, let me just, I've had, a, it seems like a rash of people say these words to me lately. And, and I, don't, I don't say this for any other reason but to try to help people. They said, preacher, I don't understand why these things are happening to me. I don't understand why these things are happening to me. I don't understand why these things are happening to me. And I say, how old are you? I'm 78. I'm 77. I'm 84. I'm 91. And I say, well, the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms that we're given 70 years and after that it's going to be sorrow and heartache. Why is it happening? It's just the normal course of life. God's not doing this to you out of spite or anger. It's just what you should expect as you grow older. I just don't understand why this is happening to me. It's happening because it's a normal course of life. Watch. There's a husband and a wife and one of them gets desperately sick. What happens? One of the other steps up and becomes the caregiver. I'm going to tell you something. That's not a pleasant place to be sometimes. There is nothing simple, nor is there anything easy about taking care of somebody that can't control their bowels. And you've got to take care of that for them. They can't get up and move around like you'd like, so you're bearing the weight of their body often. You may have to actually clean them, take care of them in a bed, shower them, whatever it may take. You're caring for them. You change their clothes at some point because they can't even do that on their own. That's not pleasant. And that's not easy. But you want to know something? That's dedication. Dedication isn't dependent on how comfortable it is. Dedication suffers sometimes. It demands suffering. And not just the person that's suffering in the bed, but let me tell you, it becomes a chore to take care of people. And many people feel guilty because at the end of the rope, they say to themselves, I struggled with it. I had a hard time with this. I almost feel guilty because at one point, I wanted God to take them because I was tired too. But they didn't quit. They were dedicated to the very end. That's the kind of devotion, that is the kind of dedication that God wants out of you and I today for His cause. We'll give that to a wife. We'll give it to a husband. We'll give it to our children. We'll even give it to our job sometimes. It's amazing how many people allow their job to steal their home and family. And yet let God ask for anything and they say, that's a little too much. Dedication. Sometimes dedication demands suffering. And finally, steadfastness. We've touched on it already, but 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Notice the real payoff of steadfastness is that our labor is not in vain. You stick with it. You stay at it. Don't, don't quit studying this book. Again, every once in a while, 
you know, we as singles, I'll, I'll just open the Bible like I did a few weeks ago and just take a passage and break it down and say, okay, what's the Word of God's teaching us here? What's it saying? And I let them tell me. Because, you know, there's more to the Bible than reading it. There's understanding it and ultimately applying it. Take the time to understand what you're reading. Take the time to look up words that you don't understand the meaning of. Look at maybe possibly a parallel passage. Maybe you find a, a passage in the middle that says it's related to. And go over there and check it out. Spend some time in this book trying to understand what you're actually reading. And don't get discouraged when it gets tough. Be dedicated. Be determined to learn who Christ is because he's found in this book. Be determined and dedicated in your prayer life. Be dedicated in your church attendance. Be dedicated in your faithful giving. Be dedicated in your service to the Lord. Give your life to something and someone that outlasts this world in which we live. You won't regret that. But there will be a number that will regret being dedicated to everything but the Lord. Good causes. Good things. But not the best cause and the best things. Be careful. Dedication. Bertoldo de Giovanni is a name that even most enthusiastic lovers of art are unlikely to recognize. He was the pupil of Donatello. The greatest sculptor of his time, Donatello. He was the teacher of Michelangelo. The greatest sculptor of all time. Michelangelo was only 14 years old when he came to Bertoldo. But it was already obvious that he had tremendous gifts, abilities. He was gifted, let's face it. Bertoldo was wise enough to realize that gifted people often are tempted to coast rather than to grow. It's just easy for them. Therefore, he kept trying to pressure his young prodigy to work extremely seriously, to be very diligent in his art. And one day he came into the studio and there he found Michelangelo toying around with a piece of sculpture far beneath his abilities. Bartoldo grabbed the hammer and he stomped across the room and he smashed the work into pieces, shouting this unforgettable message, Michelangelo, talent is cheap, dedication is costly. Dedication is costly. And I want to tell you tonight, it costs something to be dedicated to the Lord. But remember, it costs something to be dedicated to anything or anyone. So the question is, who will you dedicate yourself to? Let it be Jesus Christ tonight. Let's give the Lord the very best we have. Let's be dedicated to the cause of Christ and to Him who loved us enough to die for us and take our place on an old-fashioned cross, a rugged cross. God help us to be dedicated believers unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we come to You. We are thankful, Father, for the simplicity of Your Word. And Lord, 